Hello, I'm John Eldridge, and welcome to the Ransomed Heart audio podcast. For more information on Ransomed Heart Ministries, our resources, and events, please visit us online at www.ransomedheart.com. Welcome. This is Craig McConnell, and uh, this is the Ransom Heart Podcast. And um, for the last uh, couple of podcasts, I've been reading some journal excerpts of mine that um, uh, some of these you can find on my blog, ransomheart.com, on our webpage there. There's an opportunity to read John's blog and Craig's blog. And I'm hoping and uh, working on some of these excerpts, being a part of a book about the Christian life. This is an excerpt of a very recent day, and um, as I read this, I've titled it Cheetos. I was asked by a friend to speak to a seminary class on desire and addiction. Knowing a bit about both, I agreed. And after hearing that the class is one hour and 50 minutes long, I recklessly do a cannonball into the pool of diminishment. I don't have an hour and 50 minutes in me. What am I going to talk about? I mean, really, how am I going to get out of this without being exposed as the man with nothing to say? I know. I'll break them into discussion groups or have them take a 45-minute time of silent reflection alone with God. I'll talk really slow. Show several film clips. We'll read the book of Leviticus together. I'll ask them a zillion questions. End class early. Oh, my gosh. My prep time for the class becomes a rendezvous with God as I muse over my story of desire and addiction, of my looking in all the wrong places for that which God lavishly offers. He's smiling down on me. We're communing, and my yearning, craving for intimacy with him surfaces. And I'm drawn to Psalm 73, verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. Ah, I could scream. I want that so bad to only and simply, truly and purely desire God at the most crucial governing level of my being. God, may it be so. Lord, come. Overwhelm me. Make me that man. I desire you alone, nothing more, nothing less. I long for you to be my all. So aware of his presence, I'm basking in grace as I read old journal entries and ponder my story of wandering, of unfaithfulness, of my spiritual adultery, of turning to other lovers. There are my affairs with drugs as a fine young bohemian, my surreys as a redirected young Christian with endorphins from running. And then there's the season of wild adventures with all the prerequisite gear. 
Then a few years later, as a reverend pastor, my serial liaisons with sports talk, alphabetizing my wife's spice cabinet. There's the mistress of theological astuteness, the applause of others and books. Ah, oh, what an office I had as a pastor. Rich, dark, floor-to-ceiling bookshelves surrounded me, accented by warm-hued lighting, overstuffed chairs, the mahogany desk. It all said, come in, relax, let's talk, I can help. I really am somebody, somebody godly. More recently, my third-rate romances have been indiscriminate, unprotected tangos with food. <laughs> it's pretty easy for me to minimize my idolatry or addictions as merely a few bad habits. No big deal. In time, they'll simply fall away. And besides, it's not like I'm a pre-civilized pagan who makes a stick of wood his god. As Isaiah 44 says, half of the wood he burns in the fire, over it he prepares his meal. He roasts his meat and eats his fill. From the rest he makes a god, his idol. He bows down to it and worships. He prays to it and says, Save me, you are my god. Now that's ridiculous. And yet, as I mock the foolishness of another's addictions, I'm the one gobbling down a bag of Cheetos after a difficult conversation with my wife, or after balancing the checkbook, or anticipating an upcoming confrontation or decision, or awaiting the pathology report on that funky-looking mole they removed, or thinking about my daughter's schoolwork, or on and on. You get the idea. Cheetos. I'm actually choosing a wad of fluorescent artificial orange enriched cornmeal, vegetable oil, whey salt, cheddar cheese, partially hydrogenated soybean oil over the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? I'm choosing Cheetos over the God of all comfort, strength, hope, peace, and joy over the one who says, come, trade in all your sorrows and burdens, your worries, doubts, losses, and concerns. Now that's ridiculous. I find myself grieving my idolatry and my addictions, expressing again to God my sorrow in choosing innumerable hussies over him. My heart was repentant. Eighteen hours later, I'm waxing eloquently on desire and addiction to a class of about thirty. It's going phenomenally well. As I'm speaking, I realize I've got a lot to say about this topic. That whole diminishment thingamajigger that shadows me is exposed once again. I'm sharing my story of desires and addictions, and I offer one of my favorite quotes on the issue. Quote, Ecstasy and delight are essential to the believer's soul, and they promote sanctification. We were not meant to live without spiritual exhilaration, and the Christian who goes for a long time without the experience of heartwarming will soon find himself tempted to have his emotions satisfied from earthly things and not 
as he ought, from the Spirit of God. The soul is so constituted that it craves fulfillment from things outside itself and will embrace earthly joys for satisfaction when it cannot reach spiritual ones. The believer is in spiritual danger if he allows himself to go for any length of time without tasting the love of Christ and savoring the felt comforts of a Savior's presence. When Christ ceases to fill the hearts with satisfaction, our souls will go in silent search of other lovers. A quote of Maurice Roberts. That's it. That's it. Designed by God for so very much, we appropriately desire much. We're pursuing the ecstasy, the delight, the life we were fashioned for, and we'll either find it or die trying. Thus we turn to chunks of wood, extra crunchy Cheetos, the pleasure of endorphins or pornography, shopping or success, our spouse or our kids. We turn to our morality, indulgence or control. Our idolatry, our addictions, are the misdirected, sinful, foolish pursuits that expose our deep and profound need for God that hasn't yet been satisfied fully. The class is going great. I'm clear. I'm on. God is present. I'm blessed. I'm flying free. I'm soaring in the updraft of God's Spirit and all I understand of the topic. The only bummer was, surprisingly, I had too much to say. I still had an hour of sagely insight with five minutes of class time left. That threw me off kilter. The last five minutes was not a clean ending. It was a rather bumpy, turbulent landing, lacking the hallmark closing illustration, point of personal application, and appeal to action. It was cut and paced on the fly. I hit the ground hard, blew a tire, bent my prop, and slid for a while. The prof and a few people were gracious with their words to me at the end of the runway. Driving home, I kept thinking about my crappy finish. Yes, I shimmered for an hour, forty-five minutes. God was there for me and them. It was great. Thank you, Christ. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And at the same time, and gaining volume, that thingamajigger was rasping. Yuck. If only I had said this or that. If only I would used the story of the cookies in Minneapolis or shared my insights about Jeremiah too. Why didn't I think of that or this? Dang. I left my best stuff out of the talk altogether. I cannot shake the feeling that I stunk the place up in those last five minutes, ruining everything I'd set up to that point. Always intertwined with shame and disappointment is desire, and so my desire rose. I long to bring the life and truth of God to others, to disrupt open eyes and ears to Christ, to introduce men and women to the God who is and always has been pursuing them, to lead people into the richness of all God offers us, 
to know and enjoy him forever. I want that. I'm ping-ponging between genuine elation over God's goodness in using me and the self-reproach of not finishing strong. After holding up traffic on the interstate, as I pokey along for about 30 miles, I exit off the freeway. I'm in some sort of conscious yet sedated state, lingering between desire and disappointment. I pull up to a Sonic Burger drive through and order a shake and onion rings. And in that moment, I'm unaware there's a God. The angels seem mute. Whatever holiness I possess is impotent. I have no conscience. I'm on a mission. Kill the pain. Supplement the joy. Ten minutes and a half an order of onion rings later, I'm alert, regaining consciousness, flying down the interstate at 80 miles per hour with congealed grease all over my fingertips and a vanilla mustache. I'm back. And before guilt, condemnation, shame can chime in, God shows up. He's smirking like a parent while disapproving of their child's behavior is holding back the laughter for fear the child would understand the grin and chuckles as an approval of the misbehavior. Oh, he's disappointed that I, like Judah, would turn to other lovers. My unfaithfulness, my adultery, do concern him. And yet, through the smiling eyes, there's a grace an intimate understanding of my heart and my desires. There's forgiveness and the same invitation I gave the class, an invitation into the love of Christ, the savoring of the felt comforts of the Savior's presence, a heart satisfied, delighted, and at rest in the love of the Father. The last five minutes of the drive were the best five. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you loved it. We love getting your feedback as well. If you're enjoying these podcasts and would like to leave us a comment, please visit the iTunes store and do so. And by the way, all of our audio resources are now available for purchase through the iTunes store. You can find our resources and our other podcasts by searching for either Ransomed Heart or John Eldridge on the iTunes Store. And to find out more about Ransomed Heart, our podcast, our events, and all of the things that we're offering and doing, come to our website at www.ransomedheart.com.